Uh, if you have your Bible, you can uh, move to the book of Acts, as you just heard, A-C-T-S, Acts in the New Testament. We are continuing in our series that we have been going through for the majority of this year, entitled, The Power to Change the World, the Reality that Jesus Christ is the One and Only Power to Change the World. We are leapfrogging ahead of Acts chapter 10, which is where we left off. Uh, into Acts chapter 11 this morning, and we're going to look at a brief passage in Acts 11, verses 19 to 26, and we'll read that together in just a moment. Uh, I chose the leapfrog ahead today because Acts chapter 11, I think, is of particular importance to all of us as believers in explaining to us uh, one aspect of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus, and also what is, in fact, the mission of New City Church here together. Um, I thought it was a good time because obviously we're blessed and we're excited to have McCartney with us and beginning just a fresh and a new season with him here leading us. And so it lends itself to us going to this passage and, and being reminded in a fresh way as we move forward what it is that the scripture tells us uh, about who we are and what the Lord has invited and called us, called us to do as we join in his mission. Uh, by way of review, our mission statement here at New City Church, which is taken from Jesus' words, in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, uh, our mission is this, to glorify God by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. To glorify God by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And, and we should immediately ask a follow-up question, how then do we do that? Well, in its simplest form, our church has identified from the scripture essentially four strategies by which we live our lives. And those are worship, grow, serve, and reach. Again, worship, grow, serve, and reach. And, and this passage in particular will point us towards the fourth of those strategies this morning, which is reach, which is reaching out to others and sharing and expressing and living out the love of Jesus Christ that it might reach others. Now, while the, while the exact wording or the nuance may change from church to church, any church that believes the good news of the gospel and submits itself to the truth of Scripture will say essentially the same thing, that our relationship is our relationship to Christ, in which we worship Him, that we are constantly growing together towards Him, that we want to serve one another within the church, and that we want to reach outside the four walls of the church and invite others to experience God's love as well. What we will see here this morning in Acts 11, bottom line is that the salvation that we have in Jesus is such good news that our lives will become more and more focused on Him and therefore reaching out with that good news to others. So let's read the scripture here this morning to begin. This again is Acts 11, verses 19 through 26. The Word of God says this, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. 
For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Thus far, the reading of God's word, let's pray together and ask his blessing over it. Father, we are grateful for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and the grace that is contained. Thank you that in you we have life and hope. And Father, we pray that as you pour your gospel into us fresh today, that we might pour it out into others such that the good news of the gospel might reach outside the four walls of this church to this city, this state, this nation, and to the world. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Five applications this morning from this short passage for how we reach out with the gospel of the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Jumping right in, number one, we see this in the very uh, opening part of this story. We reach through persecution and hardship. We reach through persecution and hardship. Verse 19, the beginning of it anyway, says this once again. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Persecution, quite simply, is being attacked in some way or another for your faith in Jesus Christ. Throughout Acts, we have seen this word, and it is also translated at different times, not just persecution, but also hardship, hardship and tribulation. Uh, the world missions arm for our denomination, some of you may know this, is called MTW, or Mission to the World. Uh, one of our Mission to the World pastors, uh, there are many, but one of them in particular that is currently in Kiev, Ukraine, said last Saturday night um, that he did not get much sleep. It's an understatement. But he was still preparing his sermon for church tomorrow. I cannot imagine putting myself in his shoes. He said, if the church is still standing... I plan to make my way there and hold Sunday morning worship. We should understand that it is normal, it is normative for Christians to reach out with the good news of the gospel under hard circumstances, under persecution, under suffering of one type or another. Here in this passage, we have this man Stephen, and we saw in Acts chapter 7 that Stephen was the very first Christian who was killed for his faith in Jesus and the fact that he expressed his faith to others. He told the lost people in Israel, Jesus, whom you crucified, was the promised Messiah. He was and is the Son of God. He was and is the Savior of the world. And for it, they killed him. We should expect pushback today as well from the world, from Satan even today, when you choose to love people with the truth and the good news of the gospel. The story of Acts here is the story of the church of Jesus Christ multiplying even though they are being attacked, even though they are suffering hardship. Remember in the Gospels, Jesus says to us in John chapter 15, If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. But, it's not the end of the story. Right? The murder of Stephen from that very day until the moment that we sit here in this cafeteria this morning has had the exact opposite effect that those men and Satan had intended. The mission of God to save his people will not be stopped, and it will not be silenced. Amen? We can look to the Old Testament, the story like Joseph, who is in prison for his faith in God. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, he says these very famous and important words. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are 
today. We do not fear the attacks of the enemy. We reach out to others in and through persecution and hardship. As Alana alluded to, I know that in everyday life we will suffer in a variety of different ways, but we are reminded constantly in the scripture that God is a good and loving father. He uses even our worst sufferings for good. Again, I can't do the math on that. that. That is hard for me to grasp, but I trust him that he is good in all things. Jesus, again, in John 16, said this, In this world you will have trouble, but what? To take heart, for I have overcome the world. God uses persecution to fan the church of Jesus Christ from embers into a flame. In Acts chapter 8, and verse 1 and verse 4, remember if we go back just a bit, says, on that day, a great persecution broke, broke out against the church of Jerusalem. That is when Stephen was killed. But verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And we are invited to continue in that same story. God is so good, he turns our pain into opportunities to preach his good news. So we reach through persecution and hardship. Number two from this passage as we continue to walk through it is this. We reach by radically speaking the gospel, not with signs, not with screaming, not with intimidation, not with hypocrisy, not claiming to be better or holier than now, but radically, but rather by speaking the gospel. Look at verses 19 and 20 again. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So believers are running, just like is happening in Europe presently, and, and many people are running. But here, believers are fleeing to a town called Antioch, which is 500 miles away from Jerusalem. They are seeking asylum. Antioch was the third largest city, though, in the Roman Empire. And like every other city of that day and every other city today, they are worshiping a multitude of false gods. They are doing terrible things. They are doing unjust things. They are doing evil things. And this is where God says, I want to plant the seed of the gospel here. I want a new church here in this city in particular. This is like God saying, I want a new church in Moscow, Russia. This is where I envision my next church plant. There is no city that is immune from sin. And there is no city that God cannot change and bring life and bring hope to the, the, the human element, though, here is that believers are being radical because they are talking to people who look and think differently than themselves. Next week, as we go back a chapter to Acts chapter 10, God will literally give Peter, the apostle Peter, a vision to help him understand the vast reach of the gospel. Here is a one or two verse preview. Acts chapter 10, 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize... How true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Okay, so if we go back to the Old Testament, this transitional moment where we've just moved from Old Testament to New. Christ has come, he has died on the cross, he has risen from the dead, the apostles and believers are now sharing the good news. Still, for an Old Testament Jew, and even in this moment, there were two kinds of people, patriot fans and everyone else. There were Jews, and there were everyone else, Gentiles. Okay, so if you are not Jewish today, then you are the everyone else. You, like me, are a Gentile. 
And the reason that the Jews had such a hard time with Gentiles is, is fairly legitimate because the Gentiles, the vast majority of them, rejected God. They did bad things. Not that the Jews didn't also do the same things, but that is why they resisted going to the Gentiles. And so at first, believers only are sharing the gospel with the Jews, which they were told to do, tell the gospel of Jerusalem. But now they are being pushed outward according to God's plan. And then here it says that there were some who changed the world by speaking to people that they didn't know, who thought and acted and looked different than themselves. As we think about our own local area, thinking about the twin cities of, of Palm Bay and Melbourne together, Palm Bay and Melbourne today are 64% white, 18% African American, 14% Hispanic American. We are a mixture of boomers, busters, millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, and Gen Z. We are 60% white collar and 40% blue collar. We are 61% two-parent homes and 39% single-parent homes. We are 36% Republican, 36% Democrat, and 28% Independent. There are over a thousand new people moving to Florida every day before the pandemic hit. We don't have statistics to determine what it is presently, at least not yet. General figures will say that at least 80 to 85% of our state population is still unchurched. What is my point? We have our own Jew-Gentile mission, God's heart, right here where we live, work, and play. God has called us to this city to share God's heart, to share the good news with every single person that lives here in our local area and take it then to the world. We know this for many reasons, but check out the very end of the story. Again, we go to this passage often because it is such a beautiful picture. Revelation chapter 7 says this. John is giving us a picture here, and he says this. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. He is looking into heaven, and he says, this, this number of people is from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. So we look forward to that beautiful day, but we understand that even now, in this moment, that there are believers here in the United States, and in China, and in Russia, and in Ukraine, and around the world, who we all gather this morning to lift high the praises of that same Lord and Savior. Believers are being radical because they're talking about Jesus and they're talking to people that they didn't know who thought and acted differently than they did. Sometimes we don't know, right? Why don't we? Too busy. Um, we're, we're too comfortable. Or perhaps we're afraid of how people will respond and we're not sure if we're going to have the right words. What if I get rejected when I share this good news with someone? And maybe this is a lack of love within our own hearts. Maybe this is a lack of faith towards the Lord. But let us use this scripture this morning to renew our desire and let us pray and say, God, use me to reach the 200,000 plus people that are here in, in Palm Bay and Melbourne. And, and Lord, let this just be the beginning and let the gospel continue to go forward to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Because what is the opposite of, of reach? What is the opposite of reaching out to? Words like selfishness come to mind, right? The opposite of reaching out, giving away, would be hoarding, holding it in. Or the opposite of sharing and reaching would be just silence. 
Lord, let it not be so with us. And, and let me just give us a particular application related to Sunday morning. Nothing is easier than when we gather here together on Sunday morning. And so let us put down our phones and let us lift up our eyes and make eye contact, especially with people that we have never met before, and walk up to them and use this radical, crazy, insane language. Hi, my name is Ben. What's your name? Yeah, but Pastor, what if, what if I've met them before, they told me their name, and I forgot? I have the solution. I went to seminary. Here it is. I think we've met before, but I forgot your name. Problem solved. And let me encourage us in particular to not just uh, chat for a minute, but I want us to continue to grow as a, as a church culture, and I think we do do this, and I want us to do it well. If you see someone new, family, an individual person, whatever it might be, Hey, uh, we're going to lunch after church. We would love to have you join us for lunch as we head over to restaurant of your choice. Or, hey, we're having spaghetti back at our house. We've got plenty of extra. We'd love to have you come over for lunch at our house today, right now, as an opportunity to radically speak and show the love of Jesus. Number three, we reach by the power of God's hand. And this is important, too. Number three, we reach by the power of God's hand. God does not have hands, literally, this is an anthropomorphism, which is the giving of human attributes to a holy and perfect God, God's hands. The Bible says this in Acts eleven twenty one, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. This is yet another way, as Acts continues to remind us, that it is God's grace, it is God's love, it is God's power that changes lives, and the hand of the Lord brought a great number of people to salvation, not me, not my ability. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 14 says, The Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to Paul's message. Acts 13, 48, And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. God is sovereign over all things, including salvation. And people are responsible. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, and it gives us another snapshot of this. This is verses 11 through 14. In him we were also chosen. Chosen by who? Chosen by the Lord. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Praise of his glory. So you may say, if God is sovereign, well then what is the point of me sharing the gospel? Well, the Bible addresses that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. We may say on the opposite side, well, what's the point of me believing the gospel if God already knows? Well, because sin and death are real. 100% of those polled will die someday, right? Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You ever watch anybody try and make a left turn when they don't have the little green arrow? It's terrifying. <laughs> Especially
especially here. There's lots of extra people here right now, so the traffic is extra congested. And these people will wait and they'll wait and they'll wait. They're going to make that left turn. And then they'll wait until the worst possible moment where clearly traffic is bearing down and you're right behind them. You're going, no, not now. And that is the moment they choose to pull out. And I have watched this happen and I've watched people get clipped as they make that dastardly left turn. It's as if they are ignoring the oncoming reality. They can see that in some sense death and destruction is on its way. That car is coming, but they ignore it and they pull out and they make that left anyway. And I think we do the same thing spiritually when we all acknowledge the reality of sin. We all acknowledge the reality of death and yet we ignore it and pretend like, no, that car is not really going to get me. I'll just pull out anyway. We ignore God's inevitable day of judgment. It is a real day of judgment. But that is not the end of the story, is it? God's love and God's grace is the end and in some ways the beginning of the story. Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you may say, yeah, but you don't know how bad I am. You don't know the stuff that I've done. And you're right, I don't know how bad you are. I don't know how bad the stuff is that you've done. I know how bad the stuff is that I've done, and it's pretty bad. But God the Father already knows He knows the worst things that you've done. He knows the worst thoughts that you have had. He knows the deepest, darkest secrets day that you hold within your heart. And he sent his son to save you. That's a fun sound. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus' perfect life in exchange for your sin. That's what he does on the cross. God looks at you and he sees Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, he took the penalty for the sins of the world and and offered an exchange whereby your sin goes on Jesus and Jesus' perfect life goes on you. So that when you ask Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior, God the Father no longer holds your sins against you because he punished Jesus for them. And now he sees Jesus' perfect righteousness. Not because of anything that you've done or will ever accomplish. You can't impress God. It is an offer of his grace and mercy, his kindness to us. This is why Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because it's not about you doing anything or being a better person or accomplishing anything. It is simply an offer of His free grace, unmerited, and all we must do to get it is nothing. Simply ask and believe. And you may, you may struggle with that. Let me, let me encourage you further. The, the reality of salvation is saying, God, my, my way doesn't work The way that I try to do life doesn't work. I I want to submit myself to your way. I'm I'm turning from my sin and I'm giving my life to you. We reach by the power of God's hand. Number four, we reach by multiplying disciples. We reach by multiplying disciples. This is verse 22 through 26 again. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. Concentric is sort of a math, a geometry word that is helpful for us here. Concentric means different circles, but with the same center. 
concentric circles. And so the center of life, the center of hope, the center of forgiveness is one person, Jesus Christ. And yet there are different circles that emanate out from that center point. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world is what is taking place here. And yet it applies directly to us because we are a part of that ends of the earth. Palm Bay, Brevard County, and to the end of the world. At the center point, all of our hope rises and falls on Jesus Christ. But that it might emanate out and that we might multiply disciples from these concentric circles. So God moves the the Jerusalem church, which is basically the first church in the New Testament, to send out these persecuted evangelists. What are their names? Well, the vast majority, we have no idea what their names are. Because the New Testament is filled with regular, everyday men and women who simply faithfully share the good news of the gospel, even during awful circumstances. We don't know who planted originally this church at Antioch, but what we see here is a thriving church that is now sending out others. It reminds us that every single believer in this church is a disciple maker with a holy and powerful calling from God. So here, back in Acts, a launch team or a core group has begun in the broken and messed up city of Antioch. And Jerusalem Church then sends out their very best church planter to go over there, a man named Barnabas, known in other places as this son of encouragement. It is a reminder to every church to not be afraid to give away your best, but to send them out. Do not be afraid to send your children out on missions, on on missions trips. For us as a church, we are a church plant. We are a work in progress, but we want to be a part of multiplying more disciples and multiplying more new churches. And that is why already we actively support with our dollars and with our days church planting efforts in Florida and around the world. So here, this church planter and his launch team multiplied disciples in their city. And it says that he exhorted them to remain faithful and steadfast in their purpose. It happened there in Antioch, and it is happening here in Palm Bay, and we pray every city around the world today. And it says that a great many people were added to the Lord. So we want to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. We want to be a church that has daughter churches and granddaughter churches and great-granddaughter churches. Barnabas exemplifies this because he calls in at least one disciple or church planter whose name is Saul or Paul. Same guy here at the Antioch Church. And if you want a practical example of the grace of God, here it is. If you want to understand the power of the gospel and why it would reach out, it is because, as we recall, this man Saul or Paul, who's going to be launched out as the next church planter, was himself a murderer of Christians. And the love and the power of Jesus Christ changed him, changes us, can change and save anyone. So Antioch Church planted lots more churches. Paul and Barnabas will begin what is now going to be Paul's three missionary journeys around the greater part of Europe and Asia Minor. And their plan was this, go to every single major city, plant a church, go to the next place, plant a church. So if all that's been done, if there are churches on different corners of this city, for example, then why do we need to keep on reaching Why do we need to keep multiplying disciples? Why continue evangelizing and sharing the gospel? Why continue church planting? Well, here's why. 
At some point, the city of Antioch, or the church at Antioch, stopped multiplying disciples. They stopped making disciples. They stopped being an aircraft carrier, and they became a cruise ship. Modern-day Antioch has been renamed. It is Antakya, and it's in the nation of Turkey. And if you go to that same city today, you will find that it is less than 1% believers. They stopped multiplying. They stopped sharing. And so we must continue in God's mission. We reach by multiplying disciples. Fifth and finally, very, very briefly, we see this. We reach because we bear the name of Christ. We reach because we bear the name of Jesus Christ and what a gift that is to us. The latter half of verse 26 ends with this. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. They don't get the name Christian day one. It comes several years later, and it is here in this city for the first time that believers are being identified by the name of not themselves, but of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They did not name themselves. They were being named this. So imagine being such a people that when, when people experience your kindness, your grace, and your mercy, they connect you back with Jesus, the Savior of the world. That is who we desire to be. That is how we desire to act. That our words and our actions would so clearly express the love of Jesus that when they look at us, they identify us with Jesus. The Bible calls us a whole lot of things. Uh, The Bible calls believers a lot of different things. Aside from the word believer, the Bible calls us disciples. calls us saints. It calls us the called, the chosen, the elect, the beloved, and then this is one of my other favorites. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. A child, a son of God, a daughter of God, I've been invited by His grace and mercy, adopted into His family. One of the greatest moments of my life thus far, and I'm convinced it always will be, for Alana and I both, was uh, right after the birth of our first child, our son, we had not shared the name of our son yet, and we had really debated and discussed uh, the whole way through, so nobody knew what his name was. We'd even changed it uh, recently before his birth. But there was this moment when my wife was holding our 10-minute-year-old son in his hands, and we're completely overwhelmed by how much we love this little person who we've just met, and I had the chance to express his name. Uh, my parents were in the room, her parents were in the room. And I said, his name is, and I, I was so overwhelmed with emotion, I couldn't even get the words out. So I was like, babe, you're gonna have to be strong. I know you just delivered a child 26 hours later, but I need you to be tough here for me. So she's like, I got it. She goes, his name is, and she broke down emotionally. It couldn't, couldn't get the words out either, not because we were upset, because we loved him so much, we just met him. Eventually, we got the words. We said, his name is Benjamin. His name is my name. We could have named him many things. And every name that you bestow on your child is a gift of love. But we wanted to name him after me as a way to connect him back, in particular, to his parents and to his father and say, I love my son. And so when God says, when he calls you his children, it is with that same level of affection. That's why we reach out. That's why we share the good news of the gospel, because God the Father loves you, his people, his child, with that 
kind of love. That is what drives us to share. Nothing we can ever accomplish. Only His grace and His love. Amen? Let's pray again.